I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm thrilled to have my next guest on, Sloan Davidson, who is the founder and CEO of Hello Neighbor. And we are going to learn a lot about Hello Neighbor today, but just so you know a little bit more about it, it's a mentor-focused organization that works to improve the lives of recently resettled refugees and immigrant families. And she's also going to talk to us a little bit about Another initiative that she has through Hello Neighbor um, that is nationwide. And uh, I'm really, really excited. Sloan and I know each other through this group that we're both a part of called The List. And she's just so inspiring. Every time she posts, she's one of those that I actually like read what she's saying because I'm like, when Sloan talks, you listen. So it's definitely, I I love everything that that she talks about. And uh, obviously, um, or maybe not obviously, but we are recording during a time of great unrest in Ukraine and this in addition to the recent situation in Afghanistan where, you know, so many people are in dire need in the world. And I love what Hello Neighbor uh, is doing and can do to help so many people who are out there. So I uh, can't wait to learn more about Sloan's journey and definitely want to welcome you, Sloan. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, I will talk about this more, I'm sure, but I'm in heavy like operator mode. We're just celebrating our five year anniversary. Yay. We're really scaling quite rapidly. And so these are somewhat rare opportunities, I feel like, for me to stick my head up and think about the journey and think about what it took to get here and where we're going. So I'm really excited to spend this time with you. That's awesome. Very, very cool. So take us back to the beginning. I guess, did you always know that you were going to be an entrepreneur, that you were going to be starting Hello Neighbor? I mean, what were sort of, what did you think you were going to do when you grew up? So I founded Hello Neighbor when I was 37. So I definitely did not, you know, walk into this professional world and say, I'm going to found something. I've always really thought about my role as a leader, as a manager, like in jobs that I've had. And it's come fairly easy for me to guide people. Like I've always been the organizer of my friends. I'm always the one who's like, let's go do this thing together. I've taken management roles in most um, organizations that I've been a part of. And I have worked at what I, what I like to call the intersection of for-profit and nonprofit. So I've worked in nonprofits. I've worked in social impact, social enterprise, corporate social responsibility. It's always been really important to me that I was doing something that I felt was giving back. But I started to hit a bit of a wall in my early 30s. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and sometimes this, you know, you do this exercise and it looks really great and sometimes it doesn't, but look at people 10, 15, 20 years ahead of you and say, would I like to be like them? Mm -hmm. Is that the job that I want to have? 
And the second piece of advice that I really think about a lot is how do you want to feel at the end of the day? And I found myself after about 15 years of working, and I've lived in California and New Orleans, I've worked internationally in eight different countries. I found myself in New York, and I was in New York for about four years at that point. And I was making a lot of money. I was very successful by most definitions. I did have projects that were helping to, you know, quote, make the world a better place, unquote. I came home and I was just miserable. And I felt like this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I had to do a lot of work internally thinking about what would spark joy for me, like what would make a difference. And a few things evolved from that. One, I wasn't meant to be in New York long-term. I love that city. I love the bones that it gave me to help build that next part of my professional career. But my husband and I came back to my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Two, I really wanted to make an um, impact at a hyper-local level. I'd been doing a lot of big international development projects, big national campaigns, And I really felt like, you know, we talk about uh, big politics and things that are happening every day, but ultimately what people really care about are things that are happening in their neighborhood. And I wanted something that was really focused at home. And three, I did want it to have an international component. I I do have an ability to sit on the floor in a remote village in another part of the world and have a conversation with people, even if we don't speak the same language and feel very comfortable and really respect and honor the journey that people all around the world take to create a good life for themselves and their families, however they define that. And so I really wanted to think about how I could support something internationally here at home. And that's a little bit of the spark and the journey that helped me come up with this idea of creating a refugee and immigrant serving organization in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so, so how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Oh, awesome. So what were you doing before? Uh, what, like what kind of roles did you work at? I mean, you touched on it, but what, like, just to give people an idea who think, oh my God, what Sloan just described sounds amazing. She's getting all this great experience. Like, where do you go to kind of get that kind of experience? Absolutely. So in my early part of my career, I was working in nonprofits. So my title might have been, you know, donor relations coordinator or development assistant. I was in Southern California at the time. And that was sort of the rise of early social media. I'm talking about like 2003, four, five. I started blogging in 2004, which is fairly early. It's not like the beginning of the internet, but it's before a lot of yeah. other people were there. And I was teaching myself how to do a version of WordPress, how to like do backend and how to 
go see something in LA and then write about it and share it. And so I really fell into this idea of social media for doing good. Like how could nonprofits represent themselves on the internet? And that is where my space started in LA. And so I found myself at a tech startup doing a business development role um, in like the 2008-9 range where I was getting nonprofits to think about social media, to think about their digital marketing presence, to think about digitizing old content and putting it on YouTube. And this is before YouTube, Twitter, Facebook had even like nonprofit pages. It was like you were a personal page, but I just felt like, you know, if we're scrolling, wouldn't it be great to scroll for good? Like, wouldn't it be interesting if in the midst of everything you're seeing that you could find something that made you feel good about what you were doing or your contributions? And so that um, avenue that took me from, from working in a nonprofit to thinking about early days of social media, put me at this really interesting intersection of, of social media for social good. And so all of my other roles that I've had, um, were mostly in, in media agencies, marketing agencies, advertising agencies, but where I was working on campaigns, helping nonprofits really represent themselves online or create partnerships that, that would do that. Um, when we moved to Pittsburgh, I very intentionally uh, had left a role and had not started something new. I was consulting on the side. I was blogging still. Um, and I really wanted to take the time to think about what I was going to do next and have as many conversations as possible. And I had never given myself that break. I'm one of those people. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like this. I've always worked. Mm -hmm. I worked since I was, you know, in high school, I've worked as long as I can remember. I worked through college. I hadn't gone to grad school because I just couldn't imagine taking the time off. Like I just, I come from my bones or like working bones. And so when I came back to Pittsburgh, I actually started a mid-career master's program in public administration, which I call like an MBA for good because it's the same basic classes. It's just you're taking it from the approach of a public perspective versus a business one. Um, But that gave me the opportunity to really think bigger about what I wanted to do. And I realized that I was constantly referring back to this version of myself as a little girl And this little girl that had, I always say I had a big heart and big glasses and I believed that I could make a positive impact on the world. And I just kept thinking about her and what she wanted me to be and how hard I was fighting to get back to that place. That's what I wanted. I I think of her and I want to make sure that she's proud of me. That's a beautiful way to think about it. I mean, that's that's incredible. I love that. So through all your experiences, I love that you kind of honed in on the fact that it, it was really about local and about community. And so was there, how did you get the idea though for for Hello Neighbor then these, I mean, was there one specific instance where you felt like you could create a uh, change in the world like you're doing today? So shortly after the last election with Trump, you know, and the start of the Muslim ban and the start of all of those conversations and people really rising up and pre, you know, women's March, I was sitting up late one night, as I'm sure many people were just looking for some way to get involved. And I stumbled upon an opportunity to host a refugee family for dinner. And it was a partnership between the State Department and Airbnb. 
I filled out this form, I pressed submit, and I didn't hear anything back. And I think sometimes you do those things late at night, and you're just like, okay, well, that happened. You know, we'll <laughs> see what see what happens. But a couple weeks later, I was driving down the street, my phone rang. I remember I picked it up and I don't even really like pick up, you know, who picks up their phone from like a number they don't recognize. But I did, and it happened to be three days before Thanksgiving. And the person on the other end of the line said, Hi, I'm calling from, and they named a refugee resettlement agency here in Pittsburgh. And they said, We've got your information. You might have submitted it a while ago. Sorry, it took us a, a while to get it, but we've matched you with a refugee family from Syria. Would you like to host them for a meal? And I am always one for big ideas. Like, I'm that person who you're like, Let's have a party. I'm like, let's, let's get, uh, you know, let's get a bouncy house. Yeah. Let's have five. Like I, I will always like go one up. So, um, I was like, this is a great idea. I should have them for Thanksgiving. I love this. Let me call you right back. And I hung up the phone and I realized in that moment that I do not host Thanksgiving dinner at my house. And we actually go to two or three and sort of a divorced, happy, you know, mix of family that I have. So I thought to call my, my stepdad who hosted sort of like this big and, and more casual dinner than some of the others. And I called him. I said, hi, I'm so excited for dinner in three days, by the way. Can I bring a family I've never met of five that are from Syria? I don't think they speak English. I don't really know that much about them, but I really think that they should come to Thanksgiving dinner with us. And he said, let me call you right back. And he, and I sort of was like, okay. And he did to his credit, he called me back a few minutes later. And he said something that really um, sticks with me every single time I, I think about it, which is you, you are giving us the opportunity to be the kind of Americans and the kind of Pittsburghers we say we want to be, how could we possibly say no? Oh, I love it. Fishes and loaves, you know, so then he sort of used a Bible phrase, fishes and loaves will stretch, we'll pull up, the food is bought, you know, the food is bought, the table is set, but we'll get extra chairs, we'll we'll make it work. So tell them yes. I love it. I call back to this, uh, this caseworker and I say, okay, we can do it, you know? And sure enough, she had someone come and drop them off and that door opened. And, uh, they did not speak much English and we do not speak Arabic and we didn't know their traditions and they didn't know ours, but we sat and we shared this really lovely meal together. And at the end of the dinner, I said, let me drive you home. And it turns out they lived not too far from me, like in my neighborhood on the other side of it. And I think a lot of people in that spot would have said, okay, well, like, good luck to you. And, you know, see you. And instead I said, what are you doing next weekend? And that really started us getting together and they ended up coming to my son's first birthday party. They saw their first Christmas tree. We started, we celebrated iftar dinners with them during Ramadan. And then I started to realize there were other things like they would say, can you help us read this mail? Right. And, um, for a lot of people, they might not even know how hard it is for a new arrival, a new neighbor, even just to get through their day-to-day life. People aren't asking for these big handouts, and they're not asking for anything ostentatious or overwhelming. They're just saying, like, I would like to move one day, and we don't understand how to read our lease and, like, what that looks like. You know, we uh, think that we need to get a computer so the kids can do homework at school, but we don't even know where to go. You know, for a lot of our new arrivals, they don't know the difference between a big box store like a Nordstrom's to a Best Buy to a discount store to a Goodwill. It's all just stores. So like a lot of it was even just where do we go to navigate? And I started talking about this experience just with 
friends and circles. And every time I did it, people said, I would love to do that. Could I do that? And then I thought this must exist. And it kind of felt at the time like a big brothers, big sisters, but for refugee families. So I was like looking everywhere. I was like, this must exist. This idea of connecting people from other countries who are new here, refugees with like everyday Americans, everyday people. And um, with their permission, I wrote it as a medium post. And for anyone listening, for for you, you know, you only really get to go viral a few times in your life. And it's a very strange experience. But I pressed submit on this medium post. And I've posted on the internet for a decade and a half. And I've had people follow and people like things. It's not new to me to put something online. But when I'm telling you tens of thousands of likes and comments, like it just went it went super big. And people were like, we want to do this. And people were contacting me from all over the country, but especially from here at home. And it gave me this idea that I needed to find out if this existed. My focus became, does this exist? And I think some part of my brain thought, if I find it, I'll join them. Like I wasn't thinking I'm going to found this thing. Yeah. And this is where I do lean into a bit of my female leadership and the things I've had to learn. You know, they say for a woman running for office, you, you, she has to be asked 10 more times than a man. And I realized I was going around and every time I talked about the idea for Hello Neighbor, someone said to me, you should start it. And I said, no, 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 that's not, I'm not going to you do can't that. Do I'm that. Yeah. Find, no. yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to join it. I'm going to volunteer for them. I'm going to do something else, but I'm not going to start something that sounds really hard. And I don't know that I should do it, but eventually the conversations I had, they just, they all went in that direction. And it felt like. I was compelled to try. And then two of those conversations were with funders who ended up saying, put this in a proposal and we'll fund a pilot. And so, you know, as the story goes between Thanksgiving and right now, when you and I are talking, um, you know, in, in early March, um, I was coming up with the idea. I was pitching it. I got that first yes from a funder. I had to go open like a business bank account and think about what it took to launch a, a nonprofit. And if I even wanted it to be a nonprofit or I wanted it to be a social enterprise, like I had to go through this huge journey of what kind of business I thought I was going to start to be able to then and go go do it. This episode is sponsored by Hashtag Paid. I'm constantly on the lookout for new ways to market all the things that I'm involved in, whether that's Hint or The Kara Golden Show. And marketing isn't always so simple to understand what to do. That's until I came upon Hashtag Paid. Hashtag Paid is a very cool marketing platform that allows you and your brand to collaborate with creators. Those creators build content that help you market smarter to the audiences you want to reach. First, they match you with creators ideal for your campaign. Then those creators pitch their campaign concepts to you for review. Hashtag paid has been rated a number one creator marketing platform. They make it easy to choose your objectives from the creators you choose in a quick process that gets results. Their promise to you is that you'll never have to spend hours searching for creators. The price is set up front so you know what you are paying for, and you'll get the data too to see how the campaign performed. So here is how you can give Hashtag Paid a try. Go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash Kara Golden. 
That's go.hashtagpaid.com slash Kara with a K golden. Sign up there for your trial offer. Again, that's go.hashtagpaid.com slash Kara Golden. Where are those people now? I'm so curious. They are no longer living in my neighborhood because they bought a house about 20 minutes away from where I am. I'm so proud of them. They all just became citizens. So as a refugee, you're eligible to be a citizen at five years. So mom and dad and the oldest sister um, are citizens now. They um, own a car. Um, The two older kids are now in college. They're both at a community college, and the older daughter is going to be transferring soon to a a four-year school. They have part-time jobs. The youngest daughter plays on a, a sports team at school and is like in a club. And, um, the one son needed to have a number of surgeries that really, you know, he couldn't have home and he had here and he's thriving and they're amazing. They're just doing That's incredible. It's such a, I can just see it and hear it in your voice. Like it's just to know, you know, that you were able to be a part of something like that. I always talk about people's journeys and how, you know, if you, I believe in founding Hint, too, that, you know, we've helped a lot of people get off of sugar and get off of sweetened drinks and and uh, do good and get make them know that health is achievable. I mean, for you, um, you know, different, but but similar and that you're helping people, right? That that's like a such a powerful thing. And I think when when you can help people and you can build a business around it or a nonprofit around it, it's a I can't imagine doing anything else, right? Like it's it, you. It's just finding those things that you're really helping and creating impact. Um, and I should say, uh, in our research, we figured out too that you have matched over 150 families in uh, in how many countries now? We have families from 17 countries of origin, and that's our sort of preferred language because a lot of people start in one country, and then because of conflict and war and other things that happen, they could move around a lot. So we we like to use that. Yeah, and of those 150, we do it cohort style. So I really like building like community within community. So we do about 25 matches at a time, and then we run them through a cohort together and continue on the journey from there. Many of the relationships that we created from that very first group are still, you know, getting together and and spending time together, um, you know, five years later, it's incredibly rewarding. How do you find the neighbors, right? The people that can kind of do the mentorship and really be helpful? So I fundamentally believe that we as a society crave being together, right? And I think that the internet and the always on, um, you know, COVID and spending two years in social isolation, but we have seen what happens when we isolate and, and it can be really challenging. So what Hello Neighbor provides more as much as anything else is an opportunity to build a relationship with a neighbor. And we like to use the phrase new neighbors or you know new arrivals, but I really like new neighbors because to me that means that this is somebody who's living amongst you. They're navigating their lives the same way you are. And Hello Neighbor works really, really hard to provide, well, we have a number of values and operating principles that we live by. 
But one of them, you know, is, is cultivating community. And another one is a thank you culture. And so we're really appreciative of people that spend their time with us as a mentor, as a volunteer, the refugee families that are willing to take a risk to get to know, you know, someone new. Um, it's a big risk for everybody. Finding them, I'm not going to say it hasn't been hard, but I think that we just offer something really pure and true and people just get it. It has it when when we describe what the matching process is, when we describe what it's like to put people together, and how we support that journey, both in kind of being a matchmaker. I, I do think of myself as a bit of a matchmaker because I'll meet the families and be doing the cohort matching, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you have two kids, and you live here, and these are the activities you like, and these are when you can get together, and this family from Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria. Myanmar, Bhutan, Congo, whatever it is, you know, I think they're, so we do this like matchmaking, but when we talk about what it, what it's going to take to build this real relationship, people just really get it. And to that point, I also want to say in naming Hello Neighbor, it was intentional for two reasons. One, I think the hardest part is knocking on the door Hmm. and saying hello to meet someone new. You're putting yourself out there. If it's for a job, a relationship, volunteering for an organization, whatever it is, learning something new, trying something new can be hard for people. And so when you knock on that door and someone opens it and you're willing to say hello and they say hello back in their language, you know, whatever that looks like, that is the first step forward. I think in creating real and meaningful relationships, I also think it's the first step forward in helping to create more welcoming and inclusive communities of which we're desperately in need of. I think it's the first step forward in the healing journey that we need to have again, desperately within our communities. And then the second word neighbor is because it's not about being a refugee or immigrant, right? We all carry a lot of labels. I'm a entrepreneur. I'm a mom. I'm a sister, a daughter. I'm a baker. I, you know, I, we all have things that we like to do and things that we're defined by. We work really, really hard to make sure that people are not defined by this label of refugee or immigrant. There's so much more than that. And, and at the top of that list to me, they're a neighbor living, living near me. And so that's how we came up with the name. That's incredible. You are such a huge inspiration. I mean, I'm just listening to, you have so many great stories to as well. So take us through a moment when maybe you were just feeling like you were hitting a wall that you thought, I, I can't figure out how to move forward. Maybe you were going to shut the company down. Uh, you know, you were just not going to be able to do this anymore. Yet you got back up and, and you did, obviously. And, and, um, and maybe some of the learnings from that experience, too. So when COVID first hit in March, 2020, we're an in-person program. I mean, everything you're hearing me talk about is people going and getting together in person. They're sharing meals together. They're um, going and exploring the city together. Um, we went remote as a, as a organization, but then really we're like, what are we going to do with all these relationships that we've put together? And those first six months were incredibly challenging because for so many of the refugees and immigrants in our program, they were, you know, a lot of people when they're first starting off, they're doing entry level positions. So housekeeping, uh, dishwashing, you know, a lot of hotel work, all, a lot of Uber Lyft driving, a lot of, you know, um, restaurant shifts, that all went away. 
So we're facing a population, a community that we serve and we work with every day facing incredible hardship. And then we're within an organization and unsure exactly how to move forward. And I have always felt like when times are tough and the decisions aren't clear, put your head down and do the work because the work will speak for itself and it has the impact and you can see the impact. If you can see the impact, you can see the way forward. So we instantly started thinking, okay, what can we do for the families? And prior to the pandemic, we were really, again, relationship matching. So we were sort of not super involved in anyone's lives, but more in how's the relationship going and like cultivating that. So we started reaching out to places like the food bank and the diaper bank and a food rescue that's here and saying, how are you serving refugees and immigrants? And almost resoundingly, the answer was no. And I know why that answer is no. It's complicated. You know, for newcomers, they might not know those services exist. A lot of those human services might not have interpretation or tried to outreach to populations with language access or cultural barriers. So we said, let us let us do it. So we would reach out and we would have Hello Neighbor Day at the food pantry because we knew if a family came and they were uncertain and they were maybe a little worried about a new environment, a new person, what was going to happen, they would see a Hello Neighbor face and they would feel better about it. And as we saw that journey through, a few really interesting things happened. Our programs grew. So we have the core mentorship program, but we have another program that supports pregnant moms and babies called Smart Start. As the mom of two kids under six, I understand how hard it is to navigate the healthcare system. But when you layer on, again, language access and culture, it's incredibly hard. Um, The disparities for black and brown women in health are incredibly high. And 100% of the families we serve are black and brown. They just also walk in and might not speak English or have a cultural barrier, like not wanting to have a male doctor having other specificities. So we started to see that program more and more people wanted to be involved in that than ever before. Then we launched a program for online tutoring um, and homework help called Study Buddy. And the schools were just clamoring. They were like, please help. You know, we're losing so many students. This is so interesting and amazing. Like, can you help? We um, started having a lot more donors and foundations reaching out and saying, we're seeing the work that you're doing and the partnerships you're creating. And that was not the intent. We were just out there creating partnerships because it felt like the right thing to do in that moment to help people see through and navigate. And we were doing cash assistance and we were, we were coming up with anything we could think of. And more and more funders are like, we see you and we want to support you. And then through that journey, we launched a national program called the Hello Neighbor Network, which is a leadership cohort that supports leaders in organizations just like Hello Neighbor all around the country. So working with refugees and immigrants. And that program started to grow. As of you and I talking today, we have 89 members in 39 states. It's amazing. And so you point me to a part of the country and I can tell you, nobody you know, might realize that there's refugees and immigrants living amongst them, but I can tell you these amazing grassroots people, they're doing the work. And then the last piece of this that I'll share is through all of that growth, what was me at my proverbial dining room table, you know, in my hoodie, thinking about this way to build um, a new kind of nonprofit. I found myself not with one or two employees, but then with six and then with eight. And then just this last fall, we applied and won our first federal contract. Super big deal because everything prior to this had been privately funded. And so now we have government funding and then we grew to 12 people and now we're about to be at 15. And a big part of the Hello Neighbor growth, you know, we're now 
at a million dollars. That's a really big deal for a nonprofit. That's a really big deal in five years. And we're still going. I don't know the ceiling for Hello Neighbor. And so the lesson that I learned in that time when it felt so hard and like I didn't know if we could move forward, um, number one was listen to the people you serve or you work with. Our number one value is a refugee first mindset. We don't make any decisions without consulting, being with, asking of the communities we serve. I don't assume to know what they need and I don't want to white savior or deliver in a program for someone that I think is going to make their life better. We involve our families every step of the way. An Afghan dad recently said to me just the other day, I just saw him and he said to me, Sloan, During the COVID, when no one was there for us, Hello Neighbor was there. And it wasn't about the stuff and it wasn't about the food. It was about the fact that you called to check on us and that you invited us to things and that you were willing to always be there. And at the end of the day, no matter who's in office, no matter what's going on, that's what I want families to think of. I want them to know that Hello Neighbor is here and we're not going anywhere. And that they're not alone and that they're supported in the good times and in the bad. We want to know about the birthdays and we want to know about the hard stuff. You know, we want to help them navigate. And I think that coming through COVID in that period, that's really more than anything. It made me feel more confident that we were on the right path, that we were doing the work in the right way. And that by listening to the communities that we were working with, they would help guide us and and think about how, you know, how we were growing and the path we needed to go on. Um, and I guess the only other lesson I really learned was that there is a lot of noise. There's a lot of people out there saying, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there saying, Always. you can't grow this big in five years. You can't do a nonprofit differently than it's been done before. We pay well, we have benefits. Like I really think about equity and I think about how people can do good and do well at the same time. There's a lot of people out there that say the table is set and you can squeeze in a chair down there at the bottom There's a lot of phrasing and stories out there about giving up your chair or, you know, moving your seat at the table. But my mentor and dear friend, Nilifer Merchant, um, who wrote the book Onlyness, you know, when I when I was building Hello Neighbor, she said to me, and this rings true in my ear all the time, um, you're not looking for a better seat at that table. You're building a new table. Good point. And so throughout the pandemic, that's what I thought about. I thought I we have an opportunity and I could keep trying to fight for my spot at this table, or I could just say, I believe that there's a different way. There's a better way. And we're going to do that. And then other people can come to my table. I love it. So where can people find out more about Hello Neighbor? Yes. So we're helloneighbor.io for our website and then all across social media. Um, maybe not surprising because of my social media digital background, but we're Hello Neighbor HQ on everything. So you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a really good newsletter. Um, We do have some other channels specific to the national network, but you can find all of that by going to our social media. And we really do focus on um, positive storytelling. I really believe that our role is to tell the stories of refugees starting now and moving forward. You know, we don't tell the stories of of back in their country and, and some of the things that happened to them. I think that 
when you first meet somebody, you're not going to say, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you in your whole life, right? (laughs) They'd be like, you're crazy. So Hello Neighbor is really built upon this positive storytelling mechanism because I believe if you can tell a positive story, if you can meet somebody and get to know them as a person, then that's how we can move the conversation forward. And so we try and do a lot of that across all of our our social platforms and and newsletters. And we would love um, for more of your listeners to be part of that journey with us. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for all you are doing. You're obviously all over social too at Sloan Davidson, right? That's the... Well, no, I'm just first name. I'm first name club. Oh, you know that? Wow. So at yeah. Sloan. Amazing. At Sloan. Amazing. That's true. Well, thank, true. thank you for coming on. And thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the Kara Golden Show so that you do not miss any of the amazing people that I have on and the stories of the lessons um, from great people like Sloan. And please do us a favor and give this episode five stars. It really does make a difference in the algorithm rhythms and getting this message out there and the stories out there that Sloan is sharing for sure. And I'm on all social platforms, not at my first name. I wasn't that fast. I'm Kara Golden. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, definitely pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, where you can learn more about my journey and my purpose for starting Hint. And don't forget, new episodes are on the Kara Golden Show every Monday and Wednesday. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Sloan. Have a great rest of the week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.